You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that covers news and events happening in the world of Lucha Libre, talking Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and more. And, of course, a special shout-out to our partners at TheChairShot.com. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And let me bring in the rest of the team. Now, this is normally when I bring in the dashing one, but, unfortunately, he won't be joining us on this week's show, so I'm going to jump to who? You must be wondering who. Well, if you don't know, it is the one and only Brendan Barr. Uh, hi, how we doing? Good. You know I'm always here to improvise. <laughs> I was well, not always... expecting that particular improvisation. That was good. Yeah, it's all improv. <laughs> Um, yes, for this week's episode, you have just me and Brendan Barr. Uh, Dusty Murphy is recovering uh, from a pretty big dental procedure. So even if he wanted to, he wouldn't even be able to talk with us today. So Brendan and I will forge ahead on this week's episode. Uh, one that, you know, we have a lot of content to cover, but with really two major promotions. Um, and if you know me, you must know what I'm very excited to talk about, but I'm not going to give too much into it yet. We'll get into that on the second half of the show. We'll get uh, there but soon enough. We will get there soon <laughs> enough. Uh, but if you've been living under a rock, I don't know, check out WWE social media, their YouTube, and the 8 million hits that they've gotten since Saturday. That's just all I'm going to say. <laughs> right also, check out their T-shirt sales while you're there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just think about it. Just think about it. Um, but, you know, we still have a lot to cover. A lot on the independent scene on the top half of the show. So I'm going to kick it off to Brendan for our news of the week. All right. We don't have a lot for news of the week because, again, the big news this week was going is going to be the thing that we haven't even mentioned yet. Um, however, as a quick... News of the week uh, reminder, by the time you hear this, Queen of Indies will have started. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, just real, you know, real quick, Queen of Indies, uh, Miranda, you have the, the uh, time and information. We don't need to go over all the matches, just when where they can find it on the interwebs or if they were lucky enough to go see it. 
Yeah, so Queen of Indies happening uh, Saturday, May 13th at the United Irish Cultural Center in San Francisco. Tickets available at www.qoitickets.com. I will be there. So I will have more information on next week's show with all the results, all the happenings of Queen of Indies. But overall, just a very exciting day um, and moment. This is a joint show from West Coast Pro Wrestling as well as Pro Wrestling Revolution. So you're going to have some of the best women's independent talent in the world, um, you know, on this show from the United States. Uh, from Mexico, from Japan. So it's going to be such a stack show, and I'm very, very excited to uh, be there to announce for that show as well as to bring all of the happenings from that show back to the podcast next week. Yeah, it's very exciting. As we keep stressing, this is the only first you're ever going to get it for Queen of Indies, so I'm just super I'm jealous you get to go. I couldn't get out of work to do it myself, but I want to go hang out and watch that because it's an amazing show. Yeah, it's, it's a mix of, of course, we have first, four first-round matches um, for the actual tournament, and then we have a series of special attraction matches, uh, tags, trios, so... It's a very stacked show on top of, you know, crowning the very first ever Queen of Indies. And for those of you who are familiar with the King of Indies lineage, you know, it's fairly historic. And so to finally have a platform uh, for women's wrestling in the uh, same turn is a, it's an exciting time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that is it for my short and sweet This Week in the News. Uh, we, I'm going to move on to the Indie Roundup. We did promise last week uh, that we would probably have quite a bit. I have, I have not actually toned it down yet. Some of you did not come through and get me all of you. I know you went to Cinco de Mayo shows. We had three in my area, so I know there was a bunch. Uh, but we did have quite a few events going on. Uh, I would like to, I have not gotten results, but I'd like to give a shout out to Lucha Libre Volcanica, who did do a Cinco de Mayo show up in Snoqualmie at the kind of, uh, picturesque venue in the casino up there. Anyone who's ever seen Twin Peaks has seen that casino, so now you know. Um, and then, uh, we also had, uh, we had a Defy show here. It was in Tacoma. So I couldn't sneak in and watch the main event, but uh, we did. It was I got my results from them. We had a tag match that featured the Bollywood Boys, uh, the team of Sinner and Saint, uh, which is, consists of Judas Icarus and Travis Williams, and uh, Guillermo Rosas and Juventud Guerrera. So there is our, our little. Uh, Lucha Connection, I bet at the beginning of this you were wondering why, since everybody who's listening probably knows the Bollywood Boys, but they're they're not exceptionally Lucha. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they, they, you had a great match with that. Uh, the, everyone was super excited. I had tons of gifts going out there to see Roses and Hoovy coming out together. I know this was a big deal to Guillermo. He has... Uh, said many times that elements of uh, his work in the ring are, are based on the inspiration of Juventud from the WCW days, so I know he is super excited to be able to do that. Unfortunately, 
he did come up a little bit short. The Bollywood boys were able to pull off the win at this Defy show, but uh, there's hints that there'll be more of this, especially, you know, since the crowd reaction seemed really strong to see the juicy one. Uh, and then in the main event, they stacked all of their lucha talent in the main event. You had Nick Wayne attempting to defend the Defy Championship against Gringo Loco and Aries. Um, I, again, I didn't, I've only seen little, little bits of this match, but at, just from those three guys, I know it was a banger, an absolute sensation. Keep an eye out on Defy On Demand. I'm sure it will be up there soon. Uh, and, and, uh, we will, yeah, I mean, you will, you will not be surprised, uh, you will not be hit with a lack of surprise at how amazing this is. Uh, they, Nick Wayne did defend. He will next be defending against uh, El Fantasmo, the Canadian New Japan persona, not uh, El Fantasma, the Mexican persona. Uh, so there we go. Nick Wayne successfully defends against two of the biggest names in the independent lucha scene right now. And Juventud uh, Guerrero is up here in the Pacific Northwest. However, Miranda... You had a bunch of Lucha Legends that you saw down in California, didn't you? Yes. So, of course, uh, the mothership that we know as Mass Republic, um, of course, ran by the, the people that we think after God. First, uh, Ruben Zamora and Kevin Kleinrock um, had shows in the Southern California area on Friday, May 5th. They had a show uh, at the Haven City Market in Rancho Cucamonga. And then the next day on Saturday, May 6th, of course, making our return to the Agua Caliente Casinos in Cathedral City. Uh, this has been the home for Lucha Libre Mexicana and uh, for Mass Republic for now over a year. So uh, always special and always a big thank you to the Agua Caliente Casinos there um, for hosting us, for allowing this show to just be part of the lineup uh, at the Agua Caliente Casinos just uh, further down the road at the other Agua Caliente Casino, Gabriel Iglesias, the uh, uh, comedian known as Fluffy, was there. And an interesting note that uh, uh, Psychosis and Atlantis had gone over to visit with him earlier that day and uh, gave uh, him a special mask. And a psychosis also gave him his own mask. So, um, you know, lots of... Uh, that, mo- that, mo- that moment is up on the uh, social medias. They uh, they did... Somebody did walk around yes. with the phone. And it wasn't Atlantis. I'm sorry. It was Octagon. <laughs> uh, Octagon and Psychosis went to go visit Gabriel Iglesias um, at the casino down the road. And, yeah, had his own um, lucha mask that they gave him, as well as Psychosis giving him his mask as well. And, yeah, that's on Mass Republic social media if you want to see that. And apparently he's going to be starring as a luchador. Chihuahua in the upcoming Netflix film I Chihuahua. <laughs> so that's uh, I mean that's just adorable. That's that is just, adorable. That's yes. so cute. I can't even stand it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everyone knows Gabriel Iglesias. He's a big Lucha Libre pro wrestling fan. He's done stuff, you know, for WWE for uh, you know WrestleMania recently. Um, you know, he's he's a 
pretty avid Lucha Libre fan, so very cool for real to recognize real, as the kids say. <laughs> that is what the kids say. Um, did we have any any uh, results from the shows? Or? Yes. Uh, so I just have the results from the Agua Caliente show. Unfortunately, I don't have results for the Rancho Cucamonga show. Um, but we had five matches. Uh, our opening match was uh, a one-on-one. We have the Lucha Legend, who competed last time in a tag match with Psychosis, um, going one-on-one against the up-and-comer Kike Calderon. Uh, in that match, Kike won. Uh, from there, the second match, we had a mixed tag match. The team of Bamboo and Zyra versus El Rey and Vipress with Bamboo and Zyra winning. Um, also, uh, we had CMLL uh, Zuxis there in attendance. She was originally scheduled to compete, but however, has um, recently been injured. So she wasn't able to compete, but she was there selling merchandise and meeting with fans. So that was a really special uh, moment for fans and attendants to um, see. Uh, our third match, we had a tag team match. Uh, the team of Nightmare Azteca and Bengala versus Viento and Flama with the team of Viento and Flama winning. And then our fourth match was a uh, second, another tag team match. Uh, we have the team of Jonathan Bonbon uh, from Tijuana and Remy Marcel versus Super Astro Jr. and Psychosis, with Super Astro Jr. and Psychosis winning. And then for our main event, we had the team of Los Furgoles, uh, Fulgor Primero and Fulgor Segundo versus Octagon and Atlantis with Octagon and Atlantis winning that match. Uh, even doing a second, you know, match, uh, the Fugores uh, challenged them again and lost again. So <laughs> uh, you got two for the price of one there, but um, really, really great and entertaining to see all of these luchadors there, especially, you know, um, Talent like Octagon and Atlantis, you know, luchadors with such a rich history. Super Astro Jr., who has been, you know, um, really all over the world, I believe, just recently coming back from Japan or will be going to Japan soon. Um, Viento, a regular in pro wrestling revolution. Uh, Vipress as well within the California scene as far and Zyra. Um, Bengala, um, that many may be familiar with for AAA, a really big variety of luchadors um, on this show. So really great and entertaining matches. Uh, it was also announced that Mass Republic and Lucha Libre Mexicana will be returning to the Agua Caliente Casinos on Saturday, September 9th. For their next show and they have a lineup for you the poster is already available on mass republic's website but if you haven't seen it it does feature the likes of dr wagner jr lince dorado commander ray oros Gaiano del mal and bengala so uh, some of the biggest stars in Lucha Libre, uh, of course, another place to, to uh, see Commander in Southern California, Lince Dorado, who's making his return out west. 
Dr. Wagner Jr., who was your Pro Wrestling Revolution World Heavyweight Champion. Um, you know, Ray Oros, who is a fantastic luchador. Um, all of these luchadors are scheduled to be on the next show on September 9th. Um, so make sure to check out Agua Caliente Casinos for information. You can also find ticket information at Mass Republic's uh, social media. Uh, tickets have not been released yet, but they will soon. And I know it will sell out both um, the well, all of the previous uh, Agua Caliente shows have sold out with limited tickets for standing room only. So if you want to make sure you are buying a seat and have tickets for a seat, then get your tickets soon. Sounds great. Uh, man, I'm going to get it down there for one of those shows one of these days. Yeah, you have to. This one coming up is a pretty, pretty stacked show. I have to admit, like, it's it's a pretty big deal. You know, Dr. Wagner Jr., this is his first Agua Caliente show. Um, Lince Dorado, have not seen him. Gosh, since, you know, maybe PCW Ultra, um, last year and Expo Lucha Commander, who continues to take, you know, the U.S. by storm. Ray Oros, who's one of my favorite luchadors to watch. Um, this is a, this card in particular is pretty stacked for September. Oh, Make sure again, to follow Mass Republic on social media at Mass Republic for information, as well as Agua Caliente Casinos. They're going to have information on when tickets uh, post, uh, hopefully soon. Okay, uh, I think this is the part where you do the thing and, and toss it to that other member of our team. Yeah, we'll have our information for you a little bit later on the show. If you are an independent wrestling fan, uh, luchador, referee, photographer, announcer, we'd love to hear more about independent lucha libre happening around you. So make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show for all of that. But at this time, we are going to kick it off to Denise Alcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Math, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. 
special guests, and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast. One in English y el otro en Español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at Lucha-Masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. And we are back with the second half of the show. And I am just so excited to talk about our next subject. And that is WWE. And you may be wondering, well, Miranda, you guys never seem that excited to be talking about WWE. But if you didn't know, WWE made its way to San Juan, Puerto Rico this past weekend, both for SmackDown on Friday and Backlash on Saturday. Um, and we'll talk about Backlash in a moment, but a lot of it started with uh, SmackDown on Friday. Of course, the continued confrontation between the LWO and Judgment Day. Uh, we saw Bad Bunny make an appearance um, and I guess formally get inducted into the LWO. Is that how you join the LWO? Is he put the T-shirt on. Yes, the T-shirt is kind of like <laughs> beamingly the induction. I'm not entirely sure, but well, I'm mean, pretty sure. Historically, that was how it happened. And That's then, how it happened. And then if you didn't put the T-shirt on, then they think you fought. So Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, we had our main event for that show, which was uh, Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio versus uh, Rey Mysterio and Zelina Vega. Um, you know, again, I, I talked about in shock from a few weeks ago about Damian Priest um, doing a whole promo in Spanish on, on Raw. And, you know, a lot of this show was in Spanish. So very, you know, the promos to the counting. Um, that was a very interesting aspect to see on, on both nights. Um, but really tailing into that. Um, and also earlier that Friday, we did have the backlash press conference. Um, just a few, uh, you know, uh, interviews really. We just saw, you know, Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley, um, on one side, Zelina Vega and, um, Rey Mysterio on the other. You had Triple H making an announcement regarding, you know, the tournament for the new World Heavyweight Championship uh, belt that would come together at Night of Champions uh, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. You also had the confrontation between Bad Bunny and Damian Priest uh, that led to a pretty 
physical confrontation between the two. Um, and so I, I think the press conference, you know, established exactly what it was meant to do. Same thing with SmackDown the, that night. And then you head into Backlash. Uh, overall, if you haven't seen some of the stats, uh, WWE touted this as one of the most successful, if not the most successful, uh, backlash in history between social media hits, uh, between revenue, between viewership. Um, the viewership was up 28% from last year, 98% increase in revenue, 8 million hits across all their social media platforms. So a very successful event, both financially, but also in visibility. Um, you have kind of the two outstanding matches of the night um, as far as that Lucha Libre Puerto Rican representation. Of course, we had Zelina Vega versus Rhea Ripley. The match was fairly short, um, and I'm not going to lie. I was a little unsure about how this match would be executed, especially seeing some of their interaction in the night before on SmackDown. There were some moments in their SmackDown match that, you know, you could kind of see some of the glaring differences between their wrestling styles, their sizes, how a matchup between the two of them could be believable. But I really feel like it came together better on the one-on-one match side. Um, I don't know if you noticed that or what your thoughts were about their one-on-one match. Oh, so you mentioned that it was short, but it didn't feel short to me. I mean, yeah, no, later. No, it really didn't. Yeah, yeah, it was only seven minutes, but... I mean, between the entrance, um, the crowd, even just I think that they were able to really execute a good match. Yes. Highlight each other's strengths, but also not not show any glaring uh, gaps. Yeah, so seven minutes plus entrances is uh, pretty standard for that space in the card on most programming. And, you know, it, it feels like a perfect amount. Uh, and, uh, again, I, I was worried because they hadn't done a good job of building her up. I was worried that this was not mm-hmm. – you weren't – we weren't going to get the – They were because there's two ways you can go with this. You get the hometown pop early, get the excitement going early, or you have Zelina lose and, uh, and lose kind of badly. So that way you're more hungry for the Bad Bunny match later in the night. Yeah. Which, by the way, should have been the main event, but I <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that because I see both sides of it. Um, no, I, there is no other side. I'll, well, I'll get to that. We'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I can understand logistically why they couldn't, I, but I agree. I agree, but there's some other things to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but so, back to Selena. Yeah, back to Selena. So I do think that this really gave her that that. Yeah shine you know like i think it's been interesting um and i think it was joaquin wilde who was on um right and satin's podcast recently that talked about how for him it's been very unique being a baby face in the lwo and legato when they've been more historically a, a heel faction and i think the same thing goes with zelina she's been historically a heel persona And Mm -hmm. with this has been a face and this underdog, especially with just the big difference uh, between her and and Rhea with size uh, and and style. So so here's the thing. Zelina is a very good heel, but she's also a really natural baby face. People want to like her. 
she is tiny, so she's never going to be the physical overpowering presence that you can get for a big heel. So you're always going to have that David and Goliath story going on. You're always, and, um, you know, just putting her out here. We, we saw, like it was starting to say, we saw that, uh, she, she can be a star being a baby face too. Yeah. People well, really, I, really. Yeah. Well, that's the thing though, too. Like, I understand exactly <laughs> her feelings in that whole match that build up all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, to be able to perform in, uh, the island that is part of your family, your culture, your blood, to represent Mm-hmm. It is a once in a lifetime, and I think that that just the crowd embraced that, and they truly made it part of the story. And, and here's yeah, part of the story is the thing that because that's where WWE used to always fall down a lot. Like they would love to make people lose in front of their hometown. Yeah, uh, they uh, but I but they I would think cut that, away. They would cut away instead of because yeah. she she really felt elevated with the end yeah. of the match, even though she yeah. lost. Yeah. The camera was on her. Yeah. The cheers were all for her. Rhea didn't beat her down or anything. She but just went. Also, this yeah. in general, this whole show showed the difference between Puerto Rican wrestling fans and everybody else. <laughs> there is a fine line now where you can see the difference. And and we'll talk about this, too, in the other match. But in some ways, it wasn't about win, lose, or draw. It was, it was about the crowd embracing their people and their favorites. And we'll even talk about things like one thing I learned this weekend, Puerto Ricans love Cody Rhodes. Yeah, they Have, sure like, do. I just, I just seeing the reactions at the press conference on SmackDown at Backlash, I kind of just shrugged and said, okay, he's in. The Puerto Ricans have adopted him. And there was a very (laughs) cool accent on the back of his jacket. He had a very cool Puerto Rican flag sewn into the back of his jacket. So, um, there's, there was odes to that. Um, I also know he's a quarter Cuban. That doesn't necessarily make a huge difference, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, you know, he just the Puerto Rican fans love Cody Rhodes. That's it. Puerto Ricans love That's, Cody Rhodes. That was one mm-hmm. of, a, yeah, one of my bigger takeaways. It's like they, yeah. the the Puerto Rican fans made it known who they really loved, and yeah. it wasn't and just he, yeah. the hometown and, people. Yeah, and you know, Sky, <laughs> you know, now she's honorary. Like, okay, you know. Speaking of honorary and on that, I was debating whether we were going to bring up this match or not. But since you opened the door, well, uh, yeah, yeah, that was ahead. the most that was the most lucha libre match I have seen on a WWE card. Well, she, I mean, yeah, we've talked about Eos experience, um, yeah, and with with lucha training, um, yeah. you know, and and but especially she, her aerial skill set is very, very in line with lucha. Yeah, she very much paced the match like you would see a Lucha Libre match. She worked with the crowd like a luchador. Like, I don't know if this was intentional or just muscle memory for her, but she was in front of this Puerto Rican crowd. She was a, a Tecnico. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, you know, again, she has the training. We, we could have talked more about this ma- that match, but um, if you are looking for... A WWE Lucha Libre match uh, in current year, this is the one. 
It's yeah. absolutely the one to watch. I agree. There's, there's, it, it was the the most lucha match out of the entire card. <laughs> um, now, granted, lucha looks different, in it, and we'll talk about the street fight because that's a whole other side of, yeah. of technically lucha. But um, yeah, you're you're right, and uh, I also do think again, like we've talked about, Puerto Rican fans had their clear favorites. I think, and I was talking about this on the side, you know, with with some of my friends that. I think Bianca Belair may be crouching into Super Cena territory. And by that, I yeah, mean I agree. super over baby face, but also beating everybody clean, you know, not not necessarily having, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, just beating everybody and not having any obstacles, not, you yep. know, um, having any <laughs> more compelling story. You and, know, and, she's a and phenomenal. And needed to lose for adversity's sake. Yes. but you know and and again that's just the analogy that i can think of like this reminds me of when cena started to get booed Mm -hmm. um now granted they had a phenomenal match like bianca belair is not the five moves of doom in any sense but i do think that fans like complexity they like successes and challenges and failures and and exactly that selena got one of the biggest pops of the night in her loss and that match got her to exactly what she needed to have was the crowd behind her. And yes, you know, could have been great for her to win absolutely as well. But I, it wasn't the moment. And when the moment comes, it's going to be great. Um, but it wasn't the moment. And I don't think she needed the win at that moment because no. the crowd yeah. would have been behind her 100%. She got the elevation she needed from yeah. that match, mm-hmm. and then the way the rest of the night played out, it wouldn't have it would have undermined what else was going on. Yeah. So yeah. Well, let's get into the you know the next big match was <laughs> Damian Priest versus Bad Bunny in a San Juan street fight. Um, I mean, yeah. So so, so I'm go gonna ahead. start off here with why uh, this is both lucha but also pure Puerto Rican, because, yes, we've talked about on this show uh, that that uh, Texas or the more fighty style was a thing, but this was completely around the theme of Puerto Rican death matches, which is, has a history of, I know Miranda's going to talk about that and the history of this in a bit, but this is kind of why where my differentiation is as to why the EO Sky was much more lucha than this, because they were playing for a Puerto Rican crowd and doing Puerto mm-hmm. Rican yeah. yeah. Uh, and <laughs> and also there was some good psychology in this match. Very good. Um, you know, especially in the beginning where uh Bad Bunny selling was great. Damian Priest had just a very limited amount of moves he needed to do to take Bad Bunny down. Um Yeah. So I really I really good enjoyed psychology. that. Yeah. I really enjoyed that psychology. Bad Bunny was clearly going all out in the beginning and Damian Priest was just like, okay, I'm doing a simple suplex or a scoop yeah. slam, you know. Just playing with him almost, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it wasn't until the weapons that were introduced that made an impact. Earlier in the night, we had our first big surprise with Mike Thiel, your Thiel, Fabio Vega coming in to hand Bad Bunny the kendo stick. Um which I you couldn't even hear Sabio Vega's voice as like as he was talking to Bad Bunny because the crowd was going wild um, for Sabio Vega. 
Um, and then later on in that night, as far as your first uh, run-in, was Carlito. Um, and, and uh, of course, you know, uh, of course, the, the rest of the LWO came not too long after. Of course, Savio Vega came out as well. Um, but, you know, the introduction of the weapons and why creating this as a street fight made more sense of, you know, why it could go to these outrageous levels. And, of course, all the interference, the ability to bring in, you know, all this this outside interference. Um, there was, this was the only way to do it. It was so outrageous, but not too outrageous where people, you know, people's interest wasn't there or it was so ridiculous that the suspension of disbelief wasn't there. Um, it was just crazy enough um to make it work and ultimately too you know the the advantage that bad bunny got in um you know injuring damian priest's knee is kind of part of the psychology that led them throughout the the second half of the match and helped him get the the win um i know there's still some people who are like oh bad bunny didn't need to win shouldn't have won um but in all honesty i don't everybody won like no one is looking at Damian Priest any differently in the sense of, oh, he lost to Bad Bunny. Like, people are actually looking... Same thing with Zelina. Mm-hmm. People are looking at Zelina as a believable contender now the same way that Damian Priest was. Hell, he was included in, you know, the um, the the heavyweight championship tournament just the next night on Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, the news that came out of this show, I don't know if you had seen this or not, I was... Uh, headed in my little notes here, WWE uh, executives are looking at Damian Priest as uh, as a as a main eventer now. They they he carried a celebrity match. And he he created one of the most downloaded moments from the the card. Uh, he is completely and one hundred percent elevated in the eyes of his bosses at this point, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, the fans are our. Uh, are, are in some ways with the WWE more secondary than, than the bosses, but he's a proven draw, he's a proven money maker, he's a proven safe hand for those of you that like the old carny terms. So uh, there, he's going to be in that that picture, that 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 uh, main event picture. He's going to be working Roman Reigns, he's going to be working Cody Rhodes, he's going to be up there in that in that stratosphere uh it yeah. is the rumor so yeah yeah so i again i i don't think it did anything negative um and i agree we'll we'll jump into the kind of the conversation about the main event what i do want to kind of share <laughs> is my own little fun fact about you know why did we see both uh Savio vega and carlito come out and I was telling Brendan, there's not often times I can contribute a lot of historical context. I am not the encyclopedia that <laughs> um, Dusty and Brendan are. But I know enough to be dangerous, as they say. So an interesting context to kind of the history of Puerto Rican wrestling, there's a lot of parallels between Puerto Rican wrestling and two of the major promotions there, very similar to what, uh, you know, in Mexico we have with AAA and CMLO. And so there are two primary local wrestling promotions with historical context um, in Puerto Rico. Um, in 1973, 
uh, Carlitos Colon and Victor uh, Jovica founded Capital Sports Promotions, which eventually turned into the World Wrestling Council, WWC. Um, and that is more of the traditional historical promotion that ran, you know, in the 70s and 80s that had a lot of international stars come in. Um, Ric Flair. Like, yeah, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, yeah. all of that. They had television. Um, they were the wrestling promotion for, you know, the majority of, you know, Puerto Rican wrestling history. They were the brand that the world got to see a lot because <laughs> – I remember reading about uh, the WWC and, and Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, at the magazine stands at the in the drugstore. So, yeah, like <laughs> my parents wouldn't let me buy the magazines. Whole yeah. other thing. <laughs> I, that they're they're that brand, and uh, yes. yeah, that Carlos Colon was the most recognizable figure of all of them. But yeah. they also brought us names like Abdullah the Butcher. Like I mean, he I know he got big in other territories, but that was. He was big, huge down there. Then, on the other hand, the younger promotion started in 1999 is the International Wrestling Association, which was started um, by Victor Quinones. Um, so that was the kind of up-and-comer, newer promotion that focused a bit more on developing, you know, more island-based talent. So, as I talked about, WWC... Founded by Carlitos Colon, the Colon family. On the other hand, you have IWA, um, which the current president is Savio Vega. So, in parallels to CMLL and AAA, you have WWC and IWA. And I think for WWE to present in a more neutral fashion, they brought in kind of, maybe not representatives, but individuals associated with both to to the table or to the show mm -hmm. um, because there has been conflict between the two um you know wwc ended up being a kind of feeder system for wwe there's and i won't go into the whole history of it some of it because i don't necessarily am as well versed with the history of all of it um and i would say to even I, uh, IWA became a feeder system for WWF in the late um, uh, 1990s, 2000s, too. So mm -hmm. they both have relationships with WWE. Um, but I think as a way to keep somewhat of the peace or to be very neutral to both, having both of them be featured on the show is kind of a way of... Um, being able to, I think, be fairly neutral, where they've had relationships with both in the past. Even, again, a lot, some of the stories that have been going around about the last time they were even in uh, Puerto Rico for New Year's Revolution was that, um, you know, both, both parties wanted to, you know, meet with Vince and talk with him while he was there. Vince wanted to not do that, be very neutral, so I think to kind of get ahead, but also to show equity between the two in a way was to kind of represent both. Now, this is just my guess, my educated guess, knowing about history and, again, with maybe some of the parallels that I see between WWC and IWA versus what is also done in Mexico um, with, with CMLL and AAA, 
I think some of that was also a business decision. It, I mean, it almost had to be, but it, it the reason that it didn't, now that you brought all this up, it didn't even click in my brain. Those are both two Puerto Rican legends that perform that performed for the WWE yes. during. So, you know, it just made sense to me to have both. And maybe that was why they were able to make such an easy neutral business decision. Like, well, just have both of them because we'll get twice the pop if we do. And he did. And, and, <laughs> and they absolutely did. You know, Carlitos pop like that was very unexpected. Nobody expected that huge pop for him. Even though we saw Savio Vega earlier that night, still big pop for him again. Um, and I think it just showed multiple sides of Puerto Rican wrestling and talent. And I think it was smart. I think it was smart to include both. Fans got exactly what they wanted. Um, I, I think it helped add to the layers of the match. Um, and it really it, did. Yeah. It, just, it, was, it was fun and exciting. And rarely are, are wrestling fans surprised anymore. And that being a compilation of all the surprised looks of live streamers while it happened to, you know, it, you got uh, exactly what you wanted and more. I, I was expecting Savio Vega. I was shocked by yeah. Carlos. Same. Same. Shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Even by, though I've seen yeah. him, I know he's performing. He was been he was at a lot of the lucha shows that when uh, we. WWE was in Las Vegas, so you know, uh, yeah, I, I, it still blew my mind. Like, oh, they're gonna do it, they're doing it, and we got, we got classic WWE, <laughs> uh, uh, cool Carlos Colon out of this mm -hmm. too. So yeah, so um, very interesting. Let's jump to to the main event. So I know you have your thoughts about why <laughs> this is not. And again, I think we were all shocked that this was not the main event because even the ending with bad bunny on top of the shoulders of the LWO, like that would have been a very perfect way to end. That the is the moment. That, that is, is how, the moment. That is. And, and, and it was every match that came after it. Yeah. Was living in the shadow of that moment yeah. with that Puerto Rican yeah. crowd. If you'd finished yeah. on that, because you have two things you have to worry about when you're doing a, a TV show. Uh, is you you want to make the local fans happy and you want to make the TV fans happy. The way that the match ended and, and the main event that you're about to discuss was not good for either. So I totally don't understand why you don't end on the high note that was the Bad Bunny match. I just don't they, yeah. I don't get that decision. Well, so if anyone saw the main event, <laughs> you'll see that Brock Lesnar was you know busted open. Um, in that, and that apparently was planned. So there was plan for him to get cut and bleed for that match. So understandably, you know, especially if they don't want to change canvases or anything like that, you can't have someone bleed on the canvas and then go into another match. It's a Puerto um, Rican match. And I, I can tell you as an experienced ring crew person, they can tear down the ring and re rebuild the apron on it in under the two minutes that it takes to do a video I, package. I agree. I could, I understood. <laughs> I understand why they, you know, do I agree with the decision? No. I, I agree that they could have put in a little bit more effort to change the canvas and all of that. Um, but they didn't. 
and logistically, <laughs> I understand where they were coming from. Um, you know, am I a fan of the decision? No, but I still think that they got a great response. And you're right, especially having the the three on three match right after. You could tell there was just a big dip in the crowd's energy. Um, but you know, it just it it's. I think that's very natural to happen after any big moment like that. Yeah. So no matter who was in that position, they were always going to be in yeah. that. Yeah, but, that is yeah. Uh, that is the classic what they call a cool down position mm-hmm. uh, because you can't have a match that's that hot and then go straight into another one. Your fans will just be too exhausted. So you, you have a little bit more of a slow build up, maybe a psychology based one, which is what we got out of that one. But let me tell you just how amazing that is, that Roman Reigns and the Bloodline, even though Roman wasn't there, are in the cool-down match because mm-hmm. we're in Puerto Rico. Think about just how much that means that Puerto Rican crowd changed the the lineup. Oh, yeah. Of, of the, it's a whole the world there. It's a whole <laughs> world there. And, you know, it's just it's, it's something different there, but in the best way. Like, the crowd... I mean, if you've seen it all over social media, anybody who watched the show was fully impressed by that crowd. Um, I saw BT Sports on social media posted a, a picture asking, you know, who was the hottest crowd? Was it Cardgill, England? Was it Montreal? Or was it San Juan? And, you know, do I have a bias to it? Yes. But on the cosmic scale, like Richter scale, like sound scale, is this is there a clear winner? Absolutely. Um, Puerto Rico was just between the two nights, the crowns. Now, granted, too, you know, I, I don't remember exactly Clash at the Castle and um, Elimination Chamber the specific sizes of those um, those events. I know for both SmackDown, I think SmackDown had an attendance of about sixteen thousand. A backlash had about 17,000. The capacity for that Coliseum was 18,000. So, uh, and the setup there is also pretty unique. Um, I'm attributing it to the fact that, uh, again, probably they just had limitations on what type of equipment and setup they could bring. Um, but I think it worked pretty well. Uh, not even bring, but maybe even set up there. Um, in general, for people who are just maybe not as, um, who don't know necessarily know a little bit about about Puerto Rico. Um, even though they were in San Juan, there's a lot of issues with energy efficiency on the island. Um, they still have struggles with production and having consistent um, electricity throughout the island. Um, more populated areas like San Juan don't tend to have the same issues, um, but it's still very possible that energy just you know um you know i guess conductors and all that i don't know the exact science behind it but energy flow through the the island electricity is is not necessarily consistent so i'm imagining some of that was probably logistics of you know not being able to fly over a bunch of stuff um but also i think being a little bit more uh conscious of of just the electrical issues that may have come um, yeah but I, I do think, too, that setup allowed them to accommodate as many people as they physically could have done. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say that that setup was very comparable to, like, 
the Royal Rumbles at the baseball stadiums where you have like the entrance coming from the dugout and, you know, the long line. Like, so very similar to those I, I saw. Um, but a lot of people seem, you know, receptive to that as well. We we forgot to talk about the, the coolness. They opened the show with a cool drone shot of that whole thing. Yes. Yeah, the drone shot was very cool. They did that, I believe, both for SmackDown and for Backlash. So another kind of unique way of presenting this show a little different. Yeah, no, I just, I was that, that uh, I didn't see the SmackDown, but that uh, that drone shot for the Backlash Open really set a nice tone. It reminded me of the old days where uh, they would start a WrestleMania by reminding us that it was a record-breaking crowd and, and panning over the crowd with a, a big crane shot, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it was a unique, uh, unique show, a very unique look. Um, the gauntlet has been laid, everyone. This is, <laughs> this is the crowd you have to beat, you know? I'm not saying something, but I'm saying something. Um, but I, I think it also hopefully opens more opportunities for WWE to explore international shows. Um, again, you're not going to beat the noise level and passion of a Puerto Rican crowd. I will tell you that. Um, it's going to be very hard to beat. <laughs> Hopefully this means that WWE is looking into coming back um, in the future. Of course, fans want a bigger show. I do think that there is some capacity issues with that. So the Coliseum that they were in, again, has about a capacity of 18,000. If they wanted to do a bigger show, they would need an outdoor venue. Having an outdoor venue in Puerto Rico can be challenging, when it comes to electricity, weather, there's a lot of interesting. There's a, so many facts. The weather was the first yeah. one that came to my mind because, yeah, uh, yeah, the it, it, you're on an island, so you're exposed yeah. to whatever the ocean sends to you. Yes. So uh, it's it's you know lots of you know what ifs uh, to it, but I do think that um, Puerto Rico is happy. Again, the interesting thing too about the facts that I was reading about this about, you know, the history of the World Wrestling Council and uh, the International Wrestling Association is that this is an article on the Discover Puerto Rico website. So the National Tourism website of Puerto Rico has an article about the history of wrestling in Puerto Rico. And, of course, it's tied to, um, you know, the raw, I mean, the SmackDown and backlash that was there. And, of course, you know, the Puerto Rican Tourism Department did have money invested in this show. So it all makes sense, but that's still pretty big deal for, you know, the Puerto Rican tourism department to include a whole article about the history of Puerto Rican wrestling. Um, uh, you know, I feel like it is much like Mexico where they're, yeah. they're recognizing that that's a huge part of their, uh, their presence to the rest of the world. People, yeah like myself, had no real exposure to Puerto Rico other than through sporting events. Yeah. Uh, so, and and uh, wrestling is a much bigger spectacle than boxing. I'm just yeah. going <laughs> to... Or amateur wrestling, which is also how I saw it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've said all my... Not my piece, but I just feel like <laughs> that. I This does get me very excited you know, for potential of WWE to explore, as I mentioned, other places, um, other countries. Um, we know WWE is going back to Mexico in July. 
So I'm looking forward to that too. Mexico. Yeah. You know, um, I I want to see the Mexican crowd hype up the Latino World Order there. I mean. Yeah, you're going to see even more representation of the Latino world order there. And I guess I'm willing to bet you will see more WWE legends put on the T-shirt when they go back to Mexico. Yeah, I I hope so. I hope it is just a melee of luchadors, of you know historical figures in Lucha Libre, and the, the crowds in Mexico hopefully will just lose their minds for the Latino world order. And, you know, I mean, there's not going to be as much. It'll be great to see the social media presence. It will feel different because it's not a filmed instance. And I do think that seeing it live and having it through, you know, a premium live event is something else. But I hope that, um, you know, it's, it's moments like this that WWE realize the fandom available. And I know that a lot of it is done by money, you know. Night of Champions, <laughs> enough said. You know, uh-huh. money money makes the world go round. I I get it. But I hope that that's not the single factor that helps create decisions anymore. Hopefully it's, you know, also how do you diversify the money that's coming in? So yes, Puerto Rico, according, you know, to reports, tourism fund put in over a million dollars, which is not a lot. Um, compared to other places that are putting in millions of dollars to bid and, and to support yeah. these shows. But when you think about the other aspects of what makes the show um, successful, whether it's, you know, merchandise sales, viewership, sponsorships, you know, there's ways to diversify your earnings for an event. And, you know, if, say, maybe Mexico can't produce the large amount of money for a certain event, are there other ways to still make it successful? Is there diversifying in sponsorships? Is it, you know, the the worldwide reach that it's going to have? Um, oh, well, I'm other- going gonna, gonna to give the easy pitch right here. It's There's T-shirt sales. <laughs> Merchandising sales. <laughs> Absolutely. That the was LWO Puerto Rico shirts were flooding that arena, and mm-hmm. no... You know it will uh, it will be the same thing with the Mexican version when they oh, go yeah. to Mexico. Oh yeah. So and even then, so backlash was a very interesting choice because backlash has kind of been known as you know a, a B you know premium live event. So I definitely think that you know kind of up next is you still have your major you know four or five you know the big ones you know the Rumble, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. I think Money in the Bank is now kind of that too. WrestleMania, um, you still have those, but you have, you know, at least six other shows in between now. Right. So uh, w- there's there's so much room that in having the Big Five is great, but now you can elevate your B shows or your other pay per views or pay- premium live events. By taking them internationally, by, you know, having just something different with them um, and and really getting these for these international crowds. I will be very interested to see how Money in the Bank does in England. Um, I, I also think, too, that they're going to be, you know, the gauntlet has been set and I could see the British fans just answering the call. I think it's going to be fantastic Well, there, but... Uh, they yeah. they already did in one way, um, just uh, 
spoiler alert, I guess. We don't we aren't talking about AEW much this week, but uh the, the AEW show has uh, sold out of the pre-sale, so now you're going to have to wait until live ticket events to yeah. get your your all in. Yeah. So, I also think hopefully this has AEW exploring more international options. Yeah. I hope that means they go to Mexico and Puerto Rico as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at you. You have some of the best luchadors in AEW. You, I, 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 AEW I and Ring of Honor, like, you could uh-huh. do this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I still say that uh, AEW has the best uh, Lucha Libre uh, wrestling roster in, in all of North America. And, yes, I am aware that includes Mexico. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just... Uh, you know, I'm sorry, AAA, but uh, it, you know they they have the advantage that they can sign all kinds of people on the independent side. Yeah. So I I also think hopefully you know this is next. I know their focus right now is in England, and I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it would be a shame because they're already collaborating too with AAA. They've already signed a bunch of their you know people fit yep. to AAA. So like. Whether it's a joint show, whether, you know, we talk about Forbidden Door with New Japan, do a Forbidden Door Mexico. Heck yeah. You know, like the, you you could absolutely, it just like, there's, there's so much potential there. And I know AEW has to focus on things kind of one thing at a time, but I think that this too is kind of WWE's way to kind of showcase like this hidden, World and a lot of it, honestly, is contributed to Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny mentioned on the press conference on Friday that when he was approached by WWE to work together, he was on board. But he mentioned part of the negotiation was that they needed to bring a live event to Puerto Rico. Well, thank you for flexing your muscle, Bad Bunny, because the result yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. Um, again, the backstage rumors that I was talking about uh, is that they now want to sign Bad Bunny for. Three more premium line of live events, I believe, was the number they they that was talked about. They want him for more stuff. Period. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if that number is genuine or if that's just a, a a negotiating number or what. But the response was so big, they want him back. They want the LWO to do things with him. They want yeah, all that. That's that's yeah. the room there. So. Well, again, if they can get Bad Bunny to come to Mexico, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it will. It, it won't be any smaller of a result and, and uh, probably no less passionate either. Yeah. So. so, but also, I mean, there's been lots of, you know, fun graphics showing about him in SummerSlam. Um, SummerSlam is perfect. I think a lot of people saw parallels between Backlash and what a SummerSlam could be. Mm-hmm. The vibe of a SummerSlam, you know, this was very SummerSlam-esque. It, it did um, feel like a classic 90s SummerSlam. Yeah. yeah. So... Very, just very interesting overall. But um, you know, like I said, I'll just leave it. The gauntlet has been laid. Everyone, come for it. Everyone, try. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, try to be as passionate as Puerto Rican fans. <laughs> I promise you, it. You know, it definitely felt like a different show seeing Raw at Jack on you know in Jacksonville. Um, oh, it yes. was. It was a very interesting, and I, and I, I don't know if it's perspective. Like literally, you had two big your last two shows with some of the loudest, you know, loudest right. crowds ever compared to going back to kind of mainland fan base. Um, I don't know if it's a Jacksonville thing. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not here to pass any judgment, but 
literal audio difference. Well, I mean, so, yeah, that's part of why I didn't support the, I thought they uh, had really thought they were going to do all three shows in, in Puerto Rico because it was a giant tone change. Um, that is because we uh, here in the mainland are a little more jaded on the WWE product. We're a little more suspicious that Vince McMahon is back in charge. Uh, whereas Puerto Rico didn't care. They had Pad Bunny and Zelina Vega on the card. Oh, and I'm going to throw it in there now. They also had, um, they did have Damian Priest, who, despite what we said last week, is not a goth in character. He was a Puerto Rican in character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, and then, yeah, so you had that really weird turnaround after the premium line of, live event of going back to that uh, much more middle of the line, we're not sure what we're going to see sort of fan base and I think they would have maybe won over some more casual watchers if they'd stayed in Puerto Rico and kept with that that live crowd energy for that one last Monday show yeah and also just a quick side note something we talked about Santos Escobar already I believe on social media I think it was on Twitter um, he retweeted uh, BT Sports graphic about you know three largest crowds they ask where next and for who and Santos clearly stated Mexico. So, uh, of course he's gonna say that. Of course he's gonna Dad say is that. the Mexican wrestling commissioner. Yes. So, <laughs> well, hopefully they make it happen. Just saying, you know, <laughs> the yeah. one thing that what always tends to help is momentum, and the momentum uh-huh. is hot right now. And again, they will be there in July, so I do think that that's going to be a little bit of a of a run. Um, but uh, you know, in general, just saying. Just saying. The, the gauntlet has been laid. Just saying. Yeah, no, it's we are we are clearly clearly throwing down that gauntlet, ready for anybody to pick it up. So uh, I'm I'm uh, looking at any city that has ever had an infamous raw after mania to try and and uh, elevate that. That's true. That's true. That does it for WWE for now. I know we took up a, a good chunk of this week's show on it, but hell, there, there was I, a lot to talk about. We didn't even talk, talk about, about we didn't even talk about Dominic Mysterio this week. Yeah, uh, yeah, and <laughs> and I think that would be a great conversation to kind of circle back to with Dusty when when he gets yep. back. I know yep. um, overall Dominic, while in Puerto Rico, got one of the best reactions as far as all the booze. Um, I think he's thinking at the press conference. So anyone who has eyes and ears can tell, you know, Dominic has truly cemented himself as one of the biggest heels in the entire company. Um, so Dusty and I, just for the fans listening here, Dusty and I were talking about that a lot. Uh, at, and so there are notes. I just, we couldn't, I didn't find an organic way to bring it in because we had so much else to talk about. So, yeah. Dusty and I can talk about this on air with you guys, and you can hear it instead. Yeah, so don't worry. We will be circling back to Dominic. Uh, I'm sure he's <laughs> going to be doing some more annoying stuff over the next week. So, um, <laughs> you, there, the, Right now, that is one of the most reliable things in wrestling, is that yep. Dominic Mysterio is going to be an annoying little turd. Yeah, so salute. Uh, let's jump into our last news item of the week. <laughs> And, Brendan, you have some updates from CMLL. Well, yeah, I just really wanted to, to give CMLL some love here. They did have a card recently that featured 
Sobrenario Jr. and Averno, uh, which was largely reported to be uh, one of the best matches of the year for CMLL. And I have to agree, it's really good. And the good news for all of you is it's up on their YouTube channel. So uh, I'm not going to even spoil the result. I want you to go over and watch it and then come back and tell me on social media how much you love this match. So go check out CMLL Official. I believe that's CMLL underscore official. And uh, you can see their match of Sobrenario versus Averno. It's one of the, the top hits for this week. And uh, please enjoy that match. It's uh, CMLL's gift to the world. Thank you, Brendan, for that. Brendan, we are proud to be part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network and proud to be part of LuchaCentral.com. Can you let our listeners know what they can find on LuchaCentral.com? Well, heck yeah. So uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it's so much time to do it. Like, I mean, this, the moment is now. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. You can find the best curated video content and original content that is not seen anywhere else. You can find Lucha Libre events that will be happening in your area. You can find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre all around the world. It's a place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards that are seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And, uh, I mean, so here's the reason why that you should go right now. It is free, free, free. So go visit LuchaCentral.com. It's your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. And if you are a pro wrestling fan or Lucha Libre fan, referee, promoter, luchador, announcer, commentator, uh, ring crew, photographer, anything involving Lucha Libre, please feel free to reach out to myself, Brendan, and Dusty. We would love to hear about independent wrestling promotions throughout the U.S. and even internationally doing Lucha Libre matches. We'd love to have those results and those matches to be able to share on a future edition of the Indie Roundup. So make sure you reach out to us on social media. And while we're doing that, why don't we give you our social media? Uh, let's go with you, Brendan. Where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers, 321. T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And I'm all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales. Well, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook. Not on Twitter, but go ahead and reach out to us anyways. Of course, too, you can follow lucha central on social media at lucha central on facebook and instagram and at lucha central com on twitter you should also visit lucha central's youtube page that has hours upon hours of content like previous episodes of the lucha central weekly podcast in english and in espanol as well as other podcasts from the lucha central podcast network as well as interviews matches and even videos from previous expo luchas and, of course, uh, if you... Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to toss in because it came up again last week. Uh, the We have our Lucha Central Weekly News Facebook group uh, where I convinced Red Card Lucha to uh, start posting some stuff. So I would love to see others of you come in 
and either contribute or find more information there as well. And if you are listening to this podcast on your favorite your favorite podcast streaming platform like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, make sure to subscribe, rate, and re- review. Subscribe so that way you get a new notification each and every time a new episode of the podcast drops. You can leave us a five-star rating, and you can also leave a review in the comments. And that does it for us this week. Thank you all so much for listening. We are so excited uh, to just be on air with all of you. And even though we are one trio member short, we uh, will we did this in in uh, honor of Dusty. Um, uh, we will have back on the show soon. So for Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much for listening and we will be with you next time.